You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Hey guys and gals, it's episode 61 of the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast, and I am your host, Pimp Cron. Boy, oh boy, do we have a show for you. The real talk for tonight is discussing solo campaigns, but, 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 there is a catch. You're doing solo games with a twist, solo campaigns with other people. That's right. And uh, it's super, super easy to do. If you're a solo player or if you're not a solo player, it's very, very easy for you to do. So we cover that. We also have a Tesseract mailbox where a guy or woman or place called Jackson writes in and uh, wants to know some personal information about me, which is always exciting. Then we have a Want That or Want That Not with Cities of Sigmar. Does the Pimpcron want Cities of Sigmar or am I going to not want Cities of Sigmar? That didn't. That kind of fell flat. But yeah, I do, we I discuss that and see if I want that or I want that not. So what have I been up to? Well, I feel like this introduction will be a little shorter than normal. Um, I am putting the finishing touches on the book that is the supplement for your favorite uh, fantasy or futuristic twenty-eight millimeter war game that uses d6s, and um. What else? I actually got a game in with my Caradron Overlords. I played my good friend Caleb. I see him about once a year. And the Caradron Overlords were facing the uh, Plague Lords, I think. The the mortal Nurgle people for Age of Sigmar. And um, he... Okay, so we did the three places of power or positions of power or whatever. And it was pretty tough because I only took one Aether Chemist. Like, I only had one HQ. And that obviously requires leaders to capture objectives. So we have three objectives, and I have one leader. He, on the other hand, had four leaders, and not to mention he could summon more leaders. So you feel like this would definitely be one-sided. Well, unfortunately, it was not. What he did was he lined up um, all along his the border of his uh, deployment zone, and we played Caddy Corner. And... I uh, put one of my I put my frigate in reserve with my engine riggers and my ether chemist, and I deep struck it, and it was pretty cool because I instantly killed his sorcerer, which was the character on that end, and basically I started munching down his battle line. Now, unfortunately, he's got this unit of fat Nurgle people, not plague bearers, but like human mortals with like partial armor. I don't know what they're called. They're the ones that uh, make D6 hits when they roll a six to hit. And um, that's pretty nasty. Luckily it's AP nothing. And I was, believe it or not, able to win that game. And my Aether Chemist and my Ironclad were the only last two models on the board. And I won 15 to nine. And partially because we misread the mission and my aether chemist, you know, I realized that I got to sit on this objective and hold it for all it's worth because, um, you know, he can cap two points in one turn and I'm only going to be able to cap one point per turn. And so what I did was I threw that frigate at that corner and I really nailed that end of his battle line and killed that character that was there. So he can't contest it from me. And then the engine riggers uh, killed his warlord, 
and the engine riggers uh, killed the sorcerer. And the engine riggers put a hurtin' on those guys that do the D6 hits, but unfortunately they just couldn't eventually... He he did some plague thing with me, so I got minus one to my hits. I mean, I'm sorry, minus one to my saves. And that really sucked. Um, I think I also had minus one to hit. But anyway, it, it was crappy. Uh, but we actually misread how you score, so I was sitting on that objective the whole game with the Aether Chemist, and... I just thought that I would be barely losing at the end of it because he had two objectives at the end. I had one. Then at the very end of the game, we realize, oh crap, you mean every turn I hold this objective is one more point. So you score one point at the end of, you know, your first turn of holding it, two points at the end of the second, three at the end of the third, etc. And my Aether Chemist was sitting on that objective all five turns. Not to mention that, but the, um, the Aether Chemist is going to get Battle Honors. That's right. He's going to earn his name, which I have not chosen yet. And the reason for this was so freaking epic. So this is the very last turn of the game. This is the very bottom of the last turn. So his guys that you know hit D6 on sixes, they charge. There was like three or four of them left. And they had murdered my frigate. And they come rushing in at my Aether Chemist. They made their charge and they come in. My poor Aether Chemist only has three wounds left out of four or five. And they hit me, they wounded me 17 times. Now, luckily, there was no rend on it, and I have a 4-up save. So I had to make 17 4-up saves. Well, I was able to save all but 5 of them. Unfortunately, 5 wounds, of course, is going to kill me with only 3 hit points left. But luckily, I had the, I guess it's Doughty Champion, or Doughty Champion, I don't know how you pronounce it. But essentially, my Warlord trait was the 5-up Feel No Pain. And of those 5 wounds... I was able to save three of them on a five up, meaning I only took two more damage and he survived with a single wound. And because of our mission, he couldn't be contested by them. It wasn't the number of models or anything. It was only leaders. And boy, was it awesome. He held his own at the very end and he kicked butt basically all game. But really him holding that the very end scored me five more points. Now I still would have won 10 to nine, if he would have um, died, but you know, ten to nine—that's, I mean, a fifteen to nine is pretty awesome. So I was very, very happy that I got that win in, and uh, that was basically it. It was a really good game, and uh, Caradron Overlords—I got a win with them, and that is about it. Uh, the other week when I played against the um, Space Marines, uh, he kicked my ass bad. I don't know if I mentioned that on the episode or not. But yeah, that was definitely a streak broken because he, he, it was, I told you it was every five minutes was a, you know, hot gotcha moment. And that was no fun. So, um, but I'm, I'm back in the saddle now. Caradron Overlords banging it out. And I also realized the two frigates is better than one ironclad. So I guess I'll have to be buying another frigate. Ugh, don't you hate just buying more models? Jeez. Anyway, this last week I, in hobby progress, I got another Aether Chemist assembled, and I assembled a frigate, and my first frigate, and I basically painted it, and uh, it's, it's mostly done now. So, there's more work done on the Caradrod Overlords, let's get this show on the road. At this point, I would like to take just a moment and thank all of my beautiful, sexy, good-smelling patrons on the Pimpcron Dynasty on Patreon. Starting with the Gold Trim Scarabs, we have Brendan. Followed by the Funky Warriors, LT, 
Nate R, Tom R, and Mandy W. Then we have the Badass Cryptex, Andy B, and Colin M. And finally, we have our mother flippin' lord, the king of the mountain, Mike C. Yep. So thank you very much, everybody, for uh, listening to the show and supporting me and supporting the show. And it's a great feeling when people actually appreciate what you do. It takes a lot of time to write articles each week. It takes a lot of time to do the podcast each week. And I just truly, truly appreciate all of your love and your support. So let's get on with the show. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. Hey everybody, it's time for the Tesseract mailbox. And what do we have in the inbox today? At pimpcrown at gmail.com, we have a message from who I can only assume is Jackson. Because they signed it Jackson, NY. And I don't know. I'm ignorant to the subject and I'm too lazy to look it up. Is Jackson a place in New York, like you signed it, you know, your town and state? Or is Jackson a last name or maybe a first name, and you're from New York? I don't know. So I'm just going to refer to you as Jackson, because uh, your email had no identifying... uh, It was probably like, you know... I don't know. I just won't say anything raunchy. Alright, so... They write... Alright, pimp. You used to have a signature picture telling fun facts about you, if they were true. But you don't have that at the end of your articles anymore. You asked for fan mail the other episode, so here it is. Do you have any other strange facts about yourself? No need to reply, I'll wait to hear it on the cast. Jackson, New York. Place, or maybe person. Well, Jackson. Um, see, now I don't know if I'm... I don't know if I'm uh, addressing an entire town or a person. Let's assume it's a person. So, Jackson, uh, yes, I used to have a signature at the end of my articles that said, like, uh, father to four, husband to one, and sexy dude, something. And uh, it it did have fun facts at one point. It was, uh, let me think for a second, it was that I've almost died from anaphylactic shock, from suffocation, and from drowning, not at the same time. So, all of that is actually true. Those were fun facts that I put at the end of the signature, and they are actually accurate. When I was a baby, like a year old or so, my parents apparently peeled onions, and there was, uh, like, an onion cellophane, you know, the stuff, the layers of paperish stuff on the outside of an onion. Uh, That was laying about somewhere, and apparently I tried to eat it, and it got stuck in my throat, and it was like a flap, so sometimes I could breathe, sometimes I couldn't. And, uh, they rushed me to the hospital and, uh, I was like turning blue and things. And the doctor said there was nothing wrong with me. And my dad was like, no, there's definitely something wrong with him. He's blue. And, (laughs) and, uh, so I was only getting like partial air. I wasn't like completely blocked off. And as the doctor had turned to face away from me and talking to my parents, my dad saw for a second, like that cellophane, like came up into my mouth. And then when I breathed back in, it sucked back down. And Dad's like, oh, damn it, you just missed it. So uh, they were talking for another minute, and then uh, it popped up, and apparently my dad grabbed it and pulled it out of my mouth. So that is the story as it was told to me. I do not recall it. I was one. But uh, I'm sure that's, you know, there's 
some sort of inaccuracy in that story, but that's basically how it was told to me. I almost drowned when I was less than 10 years old, and I was saved by a local boy. We were at some kid's birthday party, and I got in the pool, and I guess I couldn't swim? I have no idea. I don't know how old I was. I was less than 10. Maybe I was five or something. Who knows? And uh, I actually do distinctively remember this, though, because I remember going all the way down and kind of sitting or laying on the bottom of the pool. And I remember looking up and, uh, you know, I, I was holding my breath, I guess. I really don't recall. It's been well over 20 years ago. But um, anyway, so this kid apparently saw me go under and ran like across the whole yard and jumped in the pool and pulled me in. And I... Where my parents were, <laughs> where my parents were, I have no idea. Actually, my mom was nearby, but it's probably one of those things where, um, you know, you you look away for just one second, and then the worst happens to your child. It's probably what happened. Um, what was the other thing? Uh, anaphylactic shock. Yeah, I had a bad reaction to medication. Uh, I don't remember what the medication was, so that's helpful. And um, like seriously, my face swelled all up, and I had to go to the emergency room, and I lost consciousness, and. Uh, it was crazy. I passed out. They said I was talking and things, but I do not recall it. And that was when I was probably 18, 20, something like that. So um, that was that was really fun. Good, good times. As far as other odd fun facts, um, let me think. Well, another interesting thing that happened. I can't say I almost died, but we were in my family's boat when I was about 10 years old, maybe 11, something like that. And I could swim. And... I was, we were anchored in like a channel somewhere behind Ocean City in the bay, and we were, the. I remember the current was really strong, so I was hanging out at the end of the boat without a life preserver on, uh, by a rope, like, you know, swimming behind the boat and letting the current pull me and whatnot, but I was holding onto a rope, and my mom was like, uh, yeah, Mom Cron from last episode, she said, Pimpcron, and I was like, yes, Mom Cron, and she's like, you better get a life preserver on. And I said, oh, mom, I don't want to do that. And she's like, no, 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 you go get a life preserver on. So I got out, got a life preserver on, bitched the whole way, you know, I'm not, I'm not happy about this. Got back in the water and I was I was playing with the rope, you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden I was like, where's the rope? I guess I had slowly went farther and farther out on the rope until all of a sudden, whoops, I don't have a rope. So luckily I had a life preserver on and I was quickly whisked away by the current and my father, I started yelling and my father jumped over the side of the boat and started swimming towards me because it took too long to, you know, pull up anchor and start the engine and all that. And I guess he just did it instinctively. So he jumps over the back of the boat, swims, catches up to me and he gets me. And I'm like, thanks for saving me, dad. And I'm like, now what do we do? Because now we're both being taken down the river or not the river, but the current. And so we start, <laughs> we start waving, uh, at boats that are passing by and they're just waving back at us. Now, if you see people in the middle of the bay, about 200 feet from the nearest boat, just chilling and they're waving at you, maybe just, maybe you should think there's something up. Maybe just stop by and say hi, whatever. So we had several boats pass us by. And meantime, my, my little brother was like, I don't know, seven at the time. Brew Brew, you know him, he's been on the show. And, he was like, I'm coming to get you. And he was doing his best. Of course, he's a little kid. And he's like um, trying to start the engine. And he's turning the, the wheel. And he was really trying to save me. And uh, luckily, uh, my brother and my mom, uh, my mom didn't know how to drive the boat, I guess. I don't know. She probably knew how to drive the boat, but she may not know how to take up the anchor. 
And uh, anyway, so eventually they were able to flag one of the people that drove by us waving. They were able to flag those people down when they passed them and they turned back around. And uh, they, they, for some reason, wanted to back up to us, which is dumb because it's a good way to get sucked into a prop of a boat. And uh, my dad had to yell at him for that. So they had to cut the engine and we climbed aboard and then they brought us back. So I was quite happy I did not have to tread water like my dad did that entire time. Glad I listened to old Momcron. And uh, other than that, I mean, I've had I've had weird things happen, but I'm trying to think of any other fun facts. Well, one story is kind of interesting. I don't know if it's interesting or not, but the uh, old McStorman and I, back when we were kids, we were probably 14 or so. We got lost in like a, I don't know, 100 acre uh, forest or 200 acre forest. It was a massive, massive forest. And it was out, out back of my grandparents' house. And we went, you know, walking through the woods and somehow we got turned around because we were usually pretty good at directions and whatnot. And we got turned around and we did not know where we were. And so we were, uh, we walked and walked and walked for literally hours. Now, there was a road that uh, encircled this entire forest. Like, I mean, but I'm talking about miles of road. There's like a lot of road. And uh, so my grandfather was starting to get dark and we never came back. And uh, so he started driving his truck. He had an old red truck driving his truck in circles along these couple miles of road around these this forest, beeping his horn nonstop. And occasionally we would hear it as he'd go by. And we'd start going towards it. And it took him quite a while. It was practically dark by the time that we finally, listening to his him beep his horn, we were able to find where one of the roads were. Because it was a freaking huge forest. There was no other houses or anything like that. So, that was fun. I don't know how interesting that story is, but it was still fun. It was good times. Well, hopefully I have appeased the people of Jackson, New York. If that is indeed a town. That is all for the Tesseract Mailbox. Uh, sorry if I droned on, sorry if I bored you to death, but these were all true stories of the Pimpcron's past. Want that, or want that not? You know what? This is want that, or want that not, and I am pissed off. That's right, the Pimpcron is mad. So, GW... You know, I was mad the other week because I said that I was sick of Space Marine releases. I wasn't interested in their new releases, yada, yada, yada. And, uh, you know, because it's always, oh, new Primaris, oh, new Primaris. And every other model's a new Primaris lieutenant. And I do not give a shit. So, I wrote an article about how I was sick of the rumor mill, which is kind of ironic because I write for Bell of Lost Souls and that's all they do. But, you know, that's there's a niche for that. And... Uh, almost immediately after GW, those assholes, they turn around and they release something that I am super, super, super excited about because they like to make me look like a butthole. That's right. Uh, Cities of Sigmar. I am super, super stoked about Cities of Sigmar. I've pre-ordered it and it's coming out, I guess this, did it come out yesterday? I don't know when it came out, but I haven't been to the store, so whatever. And Cities of Sigmar is a order player's wet dream is what it is, because the amount of combinations, I mean, just the battle line alone, this this codex, if you can even call it that, has like 25 battle line units. It might be more than that. It is a ton of battle line units, which, 
admittedly, I'm going to take hook, line, and sinker because guess, guess what? I own three steam tanks. Guess what is now inexplicably about a line? That's right. Steam tanks. So I'm going to be taking steam tanks. I mean, I don't know if they're good in this book or not. I haven't really, like I've said before, I don't really follow the rumor mill that much, but uh, the Cities of Sigmar stuff I've seen is like the new index for order, and everything is kind of synergistic, and they bring all these different races in together. And, I mean, you can have the freaking, uh, what is that giant? Oh my god, I'm going to forget the name of it. But that jo- those giant... Hydras or whatever for um what used to be dark elves, they got freaking hydras as battle line. That is insane. And you know I love me some big monsters. I'm the guy that owns like twelve or fifteen Carnifexes, so I love big monsters. And I'm gonna have to start expanding my armies honestly, because this is just. But you know what? Those assholes, GW. I'm so mad at you because the minute that I say that I'm sick of your releases, you just have to, in spite of me, directly. Obviously, I mean. I'm far too important to ignore, right? Uh, in spite of me, they decide to just go ahead and release this stupid book that is so awesome, and I'm so excited about it. So this has seen me do a complete 180, and come to find out, you know, I said I was not excited about the rumor mill, and I I'm really still am not, but I also said I was not excited about the new releases and I gotta tell you this has made a liar out of me because I am very excited about this new release uh now they apparently killed a couple units but it's not too bad I mean that's that's what I covered a couple episodes ago I mean it's not as bad as I had thought it would be I figured they'd be cutting a bunch of stuff but oh my god 24 or 30 or whatever battle lines oh my gosh you know I don't even know what to say if they start doing this with all the books like, I'm just going to have to get every single army. I have a massive uh, Ironweld Arsenal army of all, you know, artillery and steam tanks and whatnot. And I have a massive uh, free guild or free people army. I probably have like 4,000 points of free people. I've got a lot of free people. And um, then, yeah, I've been thinking about doing dwarves, but then I chose to get into Caradron Overlords. And guess what? Guess what? GW, in spite of me, allows you to take care of John Overlords with one of the cities, and I am just beside myself. I'm like, who do you think you are, Games Workshop? Where do you get off? Huh? You hear me write an article where I'm taking the piss out of your release schedule, and then boom, like a concrete block, you drop that in my lap, and I am super, super excited. So they won me over again. Uh, I mean, I don't know what the power creep is on them. Um... I'm hoping they're not, like, super powerful because then I won't want to play with them. Just like the new Imperial Fist, you know, Codex or whatever's coming out. And I'm like, Ugh, I guess I'll just give my Celestial Lions a break for a while because... I mean, I haven't even played my Guard or Tyranids, I don't think, in 8th edition. I, I don't... I don't even know... I guess I... Yeah, I do I do own the uh, Tyranids Codex, but I don't think I ever bought the Guard Codex. I haven't played them in, like, two years. Because, uh... Or a year. I haven't played them in a year. Because uh, ever since the new Codex come out, you know, it was pretty OP, and I just lose interest. I have not played Orcs, nor do I own the new Orc Codex, and I have, like, four or 5,000 points of Orcs, and I just haven't played them, because they just, they seem too easy to win with. I know that sounds like a hipster, but it's the truth. That's why I started a Grey Knights army in the first place, was like, I was like, I, I want a challenge. I want something that's, uh, you know, it's going to be challenging. Anyway... Uh, I just want to let you know, I am super, super stoked about the Cities of Sigmar book, and GW made an ass out of me.
So is that a want that or want that? Not? Well, I want this so bad, I actually forgot what the second half of the title of this segment was. I was like, want that or want that? Oh, yeah, not. Not's on the end of it. Yeah, want that or want that not. So I absolutely want that. If you are not good at context clues, definitely, definitely want this book. Cannot wait to start doing some Cities of Sigmar action. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pentcron. Hey everybody, it's Real Talk with the Pimpcron, and tonight I'm all alone. Hello, loneliness, my old friend. So tonight, speaking of being lonely, did you see that segue? I'm starting to learn a thing or two. I wanted to discuss to you how to discuss with you, not to you. That's kind of a weird phrasing, but man, I Damn it, I just went off that great segue into solo campaigns with multiple players, and damn it if I didn't ruin it. So, what is it that I'm talking about? Well, it's a solo campaign with multiple players, okay? At first, this might not make much sense. So you saw the title to this episode, and you click it, and you go, okay, has he finally lost it, and this would just be rambling incoherent stuff with about moonbeams and hand puppets and glitter. Well, I can assure you that it contains none of those three things. Rambling and coherent? Well, we'll see how this turns out. So if you listened to my episode, I think it was two or three weeks ago, and it had something to do with pitfalls running a 40k campaign, well, you know how frustrated I got trying to run a campaign at my local store. Well... Um, my friend James and I attempted to start one-on-one campaigns in the past, and they've always lost steam because we lose interest. So, I had an idea. Some of the problems you run into while trying to do a narrative campaign with other people are scheduling issues between players and differences of opinion on how the campaign should go, whether that be format or narratively or, or the rules or whatever. Uh, the threat of some players wrecking house against less effective players and thus making it quite one-sided, or even trying to make up rules that are both balanced and interesting. All of these issues can be fixed if you just play with your damn self. That's right, start a solo campaign. But I don't mean to just solo game, which is playing completely by yourself. So, although that's not a bad idea. I mean, playing with yourself... (laughs) I heard some of you giggle... Um, playing solo wargaming by yourself is not a bad idea. Um, I've ran tons of Star Trek Heroclix narrative campaigns by myself, and even a year-long solo RPG that uh, I pick up whenever the mood strikes me. And uh, being that you write that stuff down, you gotta write that shit down, uh, it is good, and I just pick it up whenever I left off. So, But you can run the risk of getting bored trying to field and play both sides of the battle and losing interest. So solo gaming is not all for everybody, and uh, sometimes you need another opponent. So what if you start a narrative solo campaign involving all of the army races that you know your gaming group usually uses, and just keep playing with your group as normal? So what I mean by all this is that most people wouldn't mind at all if some of their battles counted towards your campaign, and most friendly players won't even mind playing special scenarios suited to your campaign with you. So if you say, look, I'm, you know, fighting for this, you know, canyon or this bridge or, you know, whatever, they more than likely will not care. And they'll be like, oh, sure, we'll play your custom scenario and I'll be the baddie this turn, you know. But in most cases... 
you can just play regular games with different opponents each week, and you only care about how it affects your campaign. Meanwhile, they get a regular game in, so you don't even have to have custom scenarios. So this is what I've done. Rate up a short premise for your campaign based around one of your armies or more, who cares, I don't care, and give them a reason for fighting. Whether it be to defend territory or to expand territory and kick teeth in. Either way, you have to set up a scenario that will have them interacting with the races you commonly see at your gaming group or your friends or your whatever. Then set up the campaign with whatever rules, maps, etc. you'd like to use and write a brief synopsis of what happened after each battle. This should include how the results affected your army and the enemy army. A map-based campaign makes this a little easier, but run it really however you like. By writing down the results of each battle... You can pick it back up whenever you feel like it, and you slowly write a narrative that tells a story based directly off what your games have been like. And all you really had to do was show up at your local gaming place, like you usually do, and record it. How cool is that? This should keep you motivated to keep going as you see how it unfolds, and you aren't held back by all the other pitfalls of multiplayer campaigns. You know, like the other players' wants and needs. You can just be as selfish as you want to, and nobody gets hurt. You understand? My personal preference is to name an HQ and customize him or her with artifacts or, you know, two warlord traits or whatever, and have them being the driving force behind the campaign. Have it focused on one character. Something is personally motivating to him or her to lead their forces into battle. If they die in a battle before the narrative says they should, if the narrative says they should at all, then I treat it one of two ways. They died, and I lose the whole campaign? That puts some pretty high stakes on your campaign. Uh, another way to run this would be that you he doesn't get killed, but he gets captured instead. So you have to run over there and have an, the next mission where he is the objective, and you are fighting to get control of him back. Another interesting way to do this is create an injury chart, or negative effect chart. And it could be temporary, it could be permanent, but Every time your person quote-unquote dies, they will roll on a chart and have some negative effect applied, like minus one movement or uh, even minus one weapon skill or something of that nature. And uh, every time that you, you know, roll on that thing, you can decide whether or not, oh, this is just for the next mission, or if it's a more severe wound, you know, that sort of thing. Um, this makes it interesting in the campaign because it feels like your person really is going between battle to battle. You want to hear another little twist on that? Another twist on that is even more exciting. What you do is you give him a negative stat effect, which is just minor, and then give him a special rule that has to do with the injury he took. Let's say that he is killed by, you know, a particular unit and you know you'll be fighting them again. And you might, he might have, you rolled brain injury or something on the table. Well, he might get minus one leadership or something of that nature, you know. Um, or he might lose his uh, aura ability if he has one, you know, his special rule for the next game or whatnot. But against, if he ever faces that unit that killed him again, he might reroll to hit. Or he might have, you know, plus one to wound or something like that. It's not all bad, necessarily. You don't have to just punish yourself all the way. But what a lot of people don't understand about solo gaming is that it is all about enjoying the game in a completely new way. And a lot of people don't know how to go about solo gaming. 
and uh, or just narrative gaming in general, but especially solo gaming. Solo gaming is like narrative gaming concentrated and maybe added just a little bit of uh, selfishness because, you know, it's just, it's on your own time. It's using your own rules. It's awesome. So I highly suggest you try this. And like I said, it's it requires extreme minimum effort. You just make your thing up, and usually any story that you write for a narrative campaign or a uh, solo game or whatever, I feel like it should not be more than a paragraph. A short paragraph, maybe five sentences, something like that. And meanwhile, it doesn't affect you know any of your regular gaming group or anything like that, and you are not even required to make matchups and whatnot, because when you play a campaign with other people... As I've discussed in the previous episode, it's a real bitch, is what it is. Because everybody's like, oh, I can't make it this week, or I can't do this, or I can't do that. Or you make a plan with them and people flake out, or whatever. And it's it's a real downer. It really can be. So this way, you get your cake and you eat it too. You get to keep your friends, but you don't rely on those pieces of crap for anything. And, you know, you you still get to tell a narrative story. This is also good for people that are in a group that don't like, uh, oh, their, their group is more competitive and doesn't like narrative battles. So you could play your own games and, you know, just tell the story that way. So, um, now maybe they wouldn't appreciate you giving stat effects to people, but whatever. So that seems to be about it. And, um, it come to find out that a campaign episode is one of our best performing episodes and, I mean, all of them have been doing roughly the same, but the campaign one about the campaign pitfalls has been doing better than all the others, so I take that as a cue of, hey, maybe you guys want to hear more about campaigns. And guess what? I know a lot about campaigns, so this is just another idea to put in your satchel, I don't know what that means, and, you know, spice up your games and enjoy your games. That's what this is all about. And the Hokey Pokey, I guess. Toodles.